0: Thank you Lord, thank you mighty God, awesome, who's feeling good about being in the house this morning, awesome, I love that song, how good is that song, I love that song and I I love that tag, because it declares, declares the future, it speaks to the soul and sometimes we need to speak to the soul about the future. We need to start getting some confidence in our lives. I love that. I know that, I know that breakthrough is coming. By faith, we're going to see a miracle. I love it. Why don't we go back to it? Let's just do it just quickly. Thank you, Lord. My God has made me a promise this morning. God has got a promise for your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. It's not your purpose, it's God's purpose. But He is utterly sold out for you, and He wants you to be so sold out for Him that it's not funny. Awesome. Thank you, Lord, right now, God. Your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, let it rest on every person here. Holy God. Lord, that they may see their purpose in you, God. Much bigger than their lives, but something so much greater, so much bigger than we could have ever imagined, God as we seek your purpose, as we seek who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, church. Why don't you take a seat? It's great to have you in the house this morning, team. Why don't you uh, take a seat? You've got done a great job. Why don't you give the team a hand? You guys do a fantastic job, as always. and um, Who had a big night last night? We we I was trying not to have a big night last night. You know, if you're um, getting ready for preaching on a Sunday morning, it's a good idea to get to bed early. Um, But I was just a little bit too excited, um, and just like I I think it was a combination of just the football and preaching the next day and the election who gets excited about the election I don't get so much excited but I was a little bit intrigued to see what was going to happen and then and then our neighbors they started a party I don't know what time it started but it felt like it was about 11 o'clock at night they started partying hard I don't know maybe they were liberal fans I don't know but they were just part they were just getting rowdy the music was blaring we we just we was trying to lie in bed and just try to go to sleep and we couldn't do anything we ended up getting the um the portable speaker we brought it brought um brought it into the brought it into the room yeah that's what we did we brought it into the room and we thought we would just play some some nice music to just calm the thing down and block us out some of the sound and tell you what we we tried a few things but we settled on emily tomer's worship worship thing what's it called emily jane emily jane worship Emily Jane Worship. So shout out to M because you helped us get to sleep last night. If it wasn't for that, then I would just be like, Ugh, "What's going on?" As it was, it was about twelve thirty by the time I think we actually nodded off. So, but thanks, M. Shout out to you. Your team do a great job. And uh, also, if you want to get to sleep, Emily Jane Worship. <laughs> it's um that's the way. Awesome. So um. take it as a compliment. Absolutely. So I'm super excited to be here. Um, Life is good at the moment. There's there's lots of stuff happening in in my life. One of the big ones is the Parkside move. Yeah, woo. Yeah, woo. Yeah, woo. It's awesome. We're so excited. We've been having some interest days, which have been um, just fantastic. Our last one was awesome. If you know people down there that just want to hang around some great people and get to know God. Let them know about us. Like get them, get them in touch with Simon and Georgia. Get them in touch with us. Um, get them in touch with the Interest Day. Or we're having Connect Groups. They're flipping awesome. Our last one is was just off the chain. I think we had like twenty people um, at our house. We need a bigger house, or we need to have more Connect Groups. I think. So um, it's it's just uh, it's really good. One of the great things that I love about uh, well, it's at, at, at my place, but I think we had a couple of connect groups um, and I just felt like there was something missing. You know when there's something missing and you just need to you need to find what that missing piece is and brought it in. And, and I, found, I realized it was a spirit that was missing from our connect groups. And it was this spirit. It was the spirit of competition. <laughs> Who knows, you need the spirit of competition... Yeah the anointing of competition in your connect group. So I thought there's one way to resolve this, and it was to get my ta- the table tennis table from my parents' place and bring it into our connect group. And I tell you what, the spirit of competition is alive and well in connect group. It's awesome. If you know me for a long time, you know that I just thrive off competition. I love it. I get an energy from it. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But that's kind of where I want to start this morning is um, I, I love competition so much and I, my, my main sport has been tennis and has been tennis for many years and um, I've I just I I've just always loved it. I, I started when I was in my teens, and I, c- I think I had a couple of years where I didn't play it um, but I've been playing it for the last six or so years but this year was, um, was a little bit different. Um, I started to feel like I was going through the motions a little bit. Just not that invested in going along. Sometimes I didn't want to go to practice, didn't want to go out on a Saturday to actually compete. Um, and I don't know what it was. I, I I Probably, to be honest, I'm a pretty good loser most of the time. Simon would, would argue well against that. But most of the time, I, I can handle... Losing, But I think I maybe had one too many losses, you know, tight tiebreakers that just didn't go my way. And I started to lose a little bit of that, a little bit of that something um, in, in, in the tennis. And we went through, um, and despite me, we managed to actually make the finals. We were the fourth place team in the finals, and, uh, and we were there. But you know what? I actually wasn't that excited about being in the finals. I was kind of hoping that maybe we might miss the finals so that I didn't have to play, um, but we, we made the finals and, and my captain um, contacted me during the week, and I, I play number three um, in a four-person team, and my captain contacted me during the week and said, Phil, we're actually thinking about playing you in the doubles, but we'll play somebody else in the singles. Um, I said, that, that's fine. Like I was, I was ecstatic, to be honest, but I didn't want to seem too keen about not playing, um, so he was like, we'll, "We'll play somebody else in the singles," um, and I said, that, "That's fine." To be honest, I, you know, I haven't done that well in singles this year. I, I probably, I, I don't think I've won too many games this year. He said, "Phil, you haven't won a game this year." <laughs> oh, ouch! Yeah, ouch! So, um, so we, sure enough, um, we went to play uh, play the singles. I played the doubles. I played pretty well. Went off court, and I thought that's it. I remember vividly taking my shoes off, and I was like, "This is me done. Like this may be my last game um, for the season." And and that was just really refreshing. And um, and so the w- the way it works, you, you go through it, and um, each people each person has to play, and obviously you have to win a certain amount of sets to go through to the next week. And the entire team is like, "Yeah, we need, we want to play next week." I'm I'm kind of like I'm. If we don't play next week, that'll be okay. okay. Um, Our number four, who was going to take the number four spot, says to me, oh, Phil, why are your shoes off? I said, well, because I'm not playing the singles. You're playing the singles. He goes, Phil, I've just just pulled my hamstring. You're going to have to go on. And this was a couple of minutes before having to play the last game. And by now, we knew all the results. And the result was I was going to need to win that singles if we were going to go to the next week. Oh, the pressure! So, so I get out there not having won a, a game the entire season, and it's all on my shoulders to win this, this set. And so I start to go out there and I'm just thinking, oh man, oh man, I haven't won. I haven't won anything all year. Love one. Have a few shots, oh man, this, this guy sucks, but he's better than I am. Love too. Oh, God, I'm so glad Hannah's not watching me. <laughs> Love three. I put together a, a couple of games, um, but I'm well down. It's now uh, three games to five his way. You know, my head's a mess. I'm not thinking clearly about what I'm trying to do. And I, I just, I'm just thinking about all kinds of different stuff. Oh, man, I can't get that song out of my head. Three, Six. I try to say goodbye and I choke. Three seven. <laughs> just you know, you know when your head's just not in the game. I, I managed to pull a few points together. Four seven. We go to the change of ends, and I start hearing my team. Start hearing my captain go, Phil. You can do this. You got this, Phil. And you know what? I really wasn't feeling it, but I started to. I started to hear, it and I go, "What? Well, you know what? I'm start, I'm hearing it. I need to start believing it." Yeah. And so I went to um, I, w- I went on. Uh, I think I had to serve that game, but I started doing this because sometimes you gotta. What's what's in your spirit, in your mind? You gotta tell your body to get in line with it. So I'm trying trying to do that. You know. The game starts, I pull, I pull a few good serves, it starts to come back together, 5-7. And I keep telling myself, you know, Phil, you've got this, you've got this, you know, you're in the game now, you're in the game now. And then all of a sudden, this comes out of my spirit. Come on! Come on! <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? 6-7. <laughs> all right. Now we're in this game. A few more good points. I start I start now... Uh, we. We get to seven all. I, s- I start looking at my team. I go, we got this, we got this, we got this. All right. Play the next point, play the next game. I see him starting to weaken. I know I've got him now. I know he's starting to, he's starting to, I don't know, what choke. He's starting to choke almost. Eight seven. Let's finish this off. Nine seven. Won that game, went off, went off court like a hero. Oh my gosh, one win for the entire year went off court like an absolute champion, and it was good. Who knows, there's things in life where we can lose a little bit of heart. You know, maybe it's uh, something you were told to do, but you didn't really want to do it. Maybe it was somewhere that you felt like you were expected to be at, but you didn't really want to be there. You guys wouldn't know what I'm talking about. It's hypothetical, you know. But like sometimes there's things that we're we're not fully invested in. Like that tennis game, I went through the entire year not, not fully wanting to be there, not fully aligned with what I was trying to do. I'd been talking to Hannah about potentially this being my last year playing tennis because I just wasn't feeling it that much. But I tell you what, it wasn't until that final game that I started to decided to change something in here about how I was feeling about what I was doing. I started to change my level of conviction about what I was going to do. This morning there's a title for my message and if you're a note taker I want you to write down this title and the title is from conscription to conviction. Because I believe that whatever we're doing in life, God wants you to be utterly and fully convicted about it. If, if we've got our heads in two places, it's like what Georgia was talking about. You can't serve two masters. You can't both love God and money. You've got to make, it, you've got to make up your mind. We've got to be fully convicted about what, we were doing, what, what you're doing. And in that, in that tennis game, it was like I was in two minds. I was thinking about other things. I wasn't clear about what I was doing. It wasn't until I decided, you know, Phil, get fully invested in this, fully convicted about what you're going to do. And when I was able to do that, that's when I was able to shift my outcome. Awesome. God's desire is for you to live a life that's not disinterested, disheartened or uninspired he wants you to be completely sold out for him and tell you what the the biggest thing that he wants you to be sold out for is for his purpose for your life this this month we're talking about handling shift well it's a really broad topic I'll be I'll be I'll be open with you I was not really sure where to take this there's lots of different shifts that we go through in our life um the one that stands out to me at the moment is a shift in work life. Who who feels like they've got a shift in their work life that they've got to deal with? I'm not seeing too many hands. There's a couple of people. A couple of people. I'm with you. I know what it feels like to be dealing with shift and change in your work life. Maybe it's in relationships. I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about shifts in um shifts in in work life, in relationships. I'm not talking about a gender shift. Pastor John's going to talk about that next week, I think. Gender shift, awesome. That's right, so that's going to be good. Come here next week, and Pastor John's going to dial up that. So I'm not talking about that. What, What I'm talking about specifically this morning is about God's call for your life. Because when God calls you, He calls you out from one thing and into another thing. That requires a shift, to move from one place to another place. I'm reminded of the story, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, is the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of Egypt. Who knows the story? One of my favorite stories in the Bible. See, God called the Israelites out from the land of Egypt, out from the land of darkness, And the Israelites were over here, and he rose up a leader by the name of Moses to take them out. And where did God call them to go to? He called them to go to the promised land. Where did the Israelites go to? They went to the desert, and then they got to the promised land. Not fully convicted. There were two people that were. They sent scouts into the promised land, 12 of them, and two of them came back. Two of them came back with a good report, report of the land and said, we can take this land, we can do it. The rest said no. And you know what God said? God said all of the Israelites will not make it into the promised land except for two people, the two people that would make it into the promised land were the two people with the good report, the two people that were convicted that they could take the land tell you, God is utterly sold out for you, and He wants you to be the ones that take the promise. But we've got to be fully convicted about it. So that's what I'm talking about this morning. But what does the Bible have to say about being convicted? Well, fortunately, that's what I'm going to tell you this morning. And we're going to start in the book of James. So if you got your Bibles, flip open to the book of James. I love James because Jimmy knows how to tell it how it is. Who knows that? The book of James, it's so black and white that it's ridiculous. Sometimes James can be so black and white that it's almost um, contentious for us as um, sort of Western people today. It's almost uncomfortable to think of... God as so black and white. But I tell you what, when it comes to the purpose of God in your life, God is so black and white about it that it's ridiculous. He, like, anything less than completely sold out for your purpose, He, he doesn't want a part of it. He wants you to be completely sold out for your purpose. So what do we read in, in James 1, verse 21 to 24? And this is about being fully convicted about the purpose of God. He says this. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. That that's that's not part of my verse. But if you've got moral filth, just get rid of it. If you're taking notes, it's just like a side note. Moral filth, just get rid of it. The moral filth and the evil that are so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. I love the idea that God has planted a seed in our in in us. And it's the Word of God. He's planted something in you and me by the Word of God that has the power to save us. Then he says this, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. When I... When I read that, I started to realize that there's a really good reason why James uses the imagery of looking at yourself in a mirror and forgetting what we look like. Because when we look at the Word of God, the Word of God is not just a list of good things, not just a list of stories, but it's actually instructions about how we are to live our lives. It's actually instructions telling us, this is God's purpose for your life. This is how God wants us to look. It's instruction for, as a Christian, to live, a, to live according to God's purpose. And the more we realize that, it's like looking at a picture of ourselves. It's like looking at a picture of how God wants you to be. But when we hear the Word or read the Word and don't do what it says, it's like we've looked at that picture and gone, oh, that's all well and good, that's, that's great, but I, I'm, I'm going to go over here. It's like we forget. It's like we forget what we look like. It's very powerful stuff. In Romans, um, uh, uh, this is just an example that I was reading through the other day. Just an example of the sort of things that the Bible talks about. It's in Romans 12, 9 to 13, just getting there. This is what it says in Romans 12, uh, 9 to 13. This is just an example of the sort of thing um, that the Bible Bible says about... Oh, where am I? Oh, I'm in the wrong one. Romans 12. Okay. This is what the Bible says uh, about us living according to His purpose. He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. On another honor one another above yourselves never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor serving the lord be joyful in hope patient in affliction faithful in prayer share with the lord's people when in need practice hospitality that's like a whole bunch of different instructions but they're all instructions about how to live a life how to live a life as a good christian it's a picture of how god wants you to live your life now there's a lot in there maybe it's just start with one thing maybe it's just start with Uh, Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, or be devoted to one another. But start somewhere, because this is instruction about how to live a good life according to God's purpose. And when we look at it, it's like looking at an image of ourselves, the way God wants us to be. It's like that analogy that I started with in playing tennis last year. I used to know how to, well, before this year, I used to know how to play tennis really well. It was like muscle memory. I'd go out there, I knew exactly what I was doing. Throw the ball, hit the ball like this. I just knew it. But it started to, I started to lose that conviction, and suddenly everything started to fall apart a little bit. I needed to get my heart back right. I needed to be fully convicted about the picture of how I play. And maybe it was, it was only when I started to hear my team captain and my team start to get behind me and say, no, Phil, you can do this. You can do this, that I started to believe it and become convicted of it in my heart. Awesome. So, from conscription to conviction, the first thing that we need to know about being convicted of of our purpose in God is to read the Word of God and apply it to our lives. My second verse is, um, the second point this morning for those taking points is from... Uh, James chapter 1, 5 to 8. Because who knows that there's plenty of instruction in the Word of God, but there's some things that come up in life, and maybe it's a shift that happens, and we need to work out what we're going to do. Because it's not always clear to us what God's intention is for us. We can go to the Word of God, we can seek God in prayer. We can seek God in counsel, but at at some point in time, we've got to make a decision about what we're going to do. And we hear a little bit about that in James 1, 5 to 8. This is what it says. "If, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. I love how it's almost like a match for that first verse that I talked about in James. James says, read the word and apply it. If you don't, you're like a man who looks in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. This is ask God for wisdom and do not doubt because if you doubt, it's like a man being blown around by the wind. For, for you to be fully convicted about God's purpose for your life, we've got to be people who rid ourselves of doubt. See, when we doubt, when we doubt, it equals indecision, and potentially, when we doubt our past, it equals regret. My, when I left high school, like many people leaving high school, we're not one hundred percent sure what we're gonna do with our lives. You know, lives, life is life is a big thing, so taking the first step out of high school is kind of like. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big decision to make um, because potentially it can put you on the path to the rest of your life. Um, and so I, I did what everyone else would do is, um, you know, who's a, a Bible-believing Christian is, you know, you seek God and you pray and you seek counsel. Um, but ultimately, ultimately, you've got to make a decision on what you're going to do. And I chose to do... Um, and it's n- nothing against these courses, but I chose to do a marketing and international studies double degree. Now, now it's fine, but if I look at where my life is now, there's no way in hell that I would have done a marketing and international studies double degree. I work in finance now, nowhere near marketing, it's nothing like marketing. When I, when I explain to people at work that I did a marketing and international studies degree, they kind of laugh at me. But you know, I mean, I learned a couple of things. Um, I did a really interesting course um, called "The Politics of Contemporary Japanese Identities." Yes, yeah, I learned about um, I learned about Japanese bikey culture, which is really interesting. I learned about modern geishas and um, what did I learned about modern ge- mod- and modern geishas and just their obsession with Hello Kitty. So, I mean. Is not a not a not a lot of practical application. Um, Maybe useful at a quiz night someday. Um, I did I did a year of Spanish. Um, I know two things that I can say, and you'll be very impressed by this. Um, igualmente means likewise in Spanish. I just like the ring to it, so I remembered it. Um, and I li- I can um, I can say tú tú eres una muy bonita señorita because I figured I needed to learn at least one Spanish pickup line, which to date has still not been useful in my life. I'm now married. I don't think I'm ever, I'm, well, there's, yeah, I'm not going to find a practical application for it. <laughs> I tell Hannah that sometimes she's like, I feel it's, it's not, it just doesn't work, does it? Yeah. See. <laughs> si. si. Yeah. See, I really, I can't, I can't even just imagine what a Spanish person would talk like. I, I, just, I just don't know. So that that double degree, you know, it wasn't really useful at the time. I, 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 spent a couple of years afterwards just, just floating about. It was, I think it was the third year of my university degree that the global financial crisis hit, and that marketing was just off the table. So it was just like there was just no hope. I finished the degree. Um, because, you know, I started something, I decided to finish it. i tell you what, now, even though the degree is not relevant to what I'm doing now, it still has value. It still has some practical application. But the thing is, if we live a life of doubt, so at the time I didn't doubt the decision that I'd made, but if if I live in a life of doubt post that thing, doubt about whether that was the right decision that I make, then I'm going to live in a place of regret. God doesn't want you to live in a place of regret. He wants you to be fully convinced about what you're going to do. I think um, Tim in his, t- in his um, communion message. Where's Tim? He's, is he he's out? He's gone. He's gone. Tim, you were awesome. Oh, how good was Tim? Give Tim a round of applause. You can pass on the round of applause. He was really good. But he he, said, um, uh, he he referenced Romans 8, uh, verse 23, about being fully convinced about your salvation. Paul says, I am fully convinced that um, neither, neither life nor death can take away uh, from, from, from God's promise for his life. We need to be fully convinced about what we do in life. Not torn one way or the other, not halfway between, but fully convinced. I love... Um, Uh, In Romans 14, um, uh, Paul talks about uh, some conflict that's going on in the church. And specifically at the time, it's not something that's really contentious now. um, But back then, it was contentious to eat certain types of foods. And Paul says to himself, he goes, I am fully convinced that it doesn't matter a rat's behind what food you eat. But if it does to you, then be fully convinced of that. You know, Paul says it. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what decision you make, but be fully convinced of it. In doing some reading I, um, ab- about that topic of being fully convinced, I came across an article that was, uh, I think it said, "Is it okay to kiss before marriage?" I thought that's way more interesting than anything I've got to say this morning. So I so I started reading about it. Um, you know, you know what. It's not something that's contentious in our church. John's going to cover the contentious issues next week. So get along to that. <laughs> so um, so yeah, but I was reading about that. And you know, you know what? It's not something that's contentious for me. I think I made Hannah wait long enough as it was. If I waited any longer, then maybe we wouldn't be married today. But if you're convinced that it's not okay to kiss before marriage, then be fully convinced about it. Because that's what the Bible says. He wants you to be fully convinced. There's some things that are uh, rock solid about what God says about living your life. But there's some things that it might not really matter one way or the other. But be fully convinced about what you're doing. If we're going to be fully convicted of the purpose of God, we've got to be fully convinced and not doubt about the decisions that we make. All right. Point number three is you must know that God has chosen you for a purpose. In 1 Peter 2 chapter 9 it says this. 2 verses 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people. Who is a chosen person? Yeah, chosen people he's talking about us who believe. We who believe in God are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. There it is again. When God calls you, he calls you out of one thing and into another. He calls him out of darkness and into light. But he refers to us as God's special possession. We are chosen by God. But when we're chosen, we're not just chosen to live a happy nice life he says that that you may declare the praises of him who called you there's a purpose to your calling it might not necessarily be the purpose that you set out for in life if we you know it would be nice if i could just retire now and live on a beachside that would be my purpose if i was to come up with a purpose god has got a purpose for your life which is probably not retiring right now and living on the beach he's got a purpose for your life but I tell you what God's purpose for your life is way more meaningful and um, bigger than ourselves than anything that we could possibly come up with um, ourselves Uh, in reflecting on this principle of being chosen for a purpose um, I was uh, thinking about um, thinking about this year my uh, my best mate uh, got married and he asked me to be one of his his groomsmen um when you're chosen to be a groomsman it's a huge honor right it, it's it's awesome it's um you know I was like thrilled that I could be a part of it and all of that but being a groomsman also comes with an obligation it comes with a duty to do certain things it comes with a duty to be at these things but to come along early and set up I tell you what there were um. Some of the groomsmen who did do that, and there were some of the groomsmen who didn't do that. And some groomsmen who just were just along for the ride. God wants us to be people who know that we've been chosen by God and are ready to fulfill His purpose. It's awesome. Although I don't think um, the groom was too happy with uh, some of the stuff that we got up to on the Bucks night. Well, the Bucks day, we went paintballing. And um, we thought it would be a good idea if we blindfolded um, the buck um, out on the paintball field. And we're like, we'll protect him. Um, And yeah, it just didn't happen. And then he's just blindfolded with just about 10 other people just absolutely pelleting him full of paint. And uh, I think he's still got the bruises um, to show for it. So um, yeah, so sometimes we don't always get it right. but we've got, we're called for a purpose. You know, it's, it's, it's all right. It's all right, it's all right. <laughs> Being chosen by God is an honor and not an obligation. But when we, we've got to look at it that way. We've got to look at it as an honor. Uh, John fifteen sixteen, says this, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. So that, you, so that you will go and bear fruit. God has chosen us. And when he chooses you, he chooses you with a blessing. You'll go and bear much fruit. But we need to be fully sold out for him and fully convicted of his purpose for our lives. I'll, I'll go back to um, what um, Georgia was saying about <clears throat> we cannot serve two masters. If we're going to serve God, we've got we've to serve him. Jesus says uh, in other parts of the body, uh, the, other parts of the Word of God, He says, follow me. And different people have different reactions to that. Some, some, one of the men says, oh, that, that's fine, but I've got to go and do this. I've got um, to say goodbye to my parents. Uh, one of them says, I've got to go bury my father. Jesus says, no, come follow me and follow me now. We have some work to do now. We can't be torn uh, between two masters. We're chosen by God, and we're chosen for a purpose. And when we get that right, we can step into a place away from conscription, but to conviction, and conviction about the purpose that God has for our lives. Awesome. I'm going to ask the team to come up now as we, uh, we start to close. So I've spoken a lot about being convicted of God's purpose for your life. Which is all well and good. Like I've I've spoken about God's word is instruction of how to live according to how God wants us to to live to fulfill his purpose. I've spoken about not doubting and being fully convinced about what we're doing. I've spoken about serving God. He chooses us for a purpose, so we need to serve God and serve His purpose. But that's all well and good, but until we know God in our own lives, it doesn't mean a whole lot. But I tell you what the exciting thing is, is that God's overarching call for your life is for you to love Him. It's it's as simple as that. God's call for your life It's for you to love him. He loved us so much that he sent his only son. He loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sins. Because we were imperfect. So he sent his perfect son as a living sacrifice for us. So that we may be saved by his blood. And and God says, well, the Bible says that we need to be fully convinced of our salvation through Him. But that fully that conviction can only come with knowing God. So this morning is gonna be an opportunity if you don't know God to get to know Him. Because we, ne- we need to get to know Him if we're gonna know the true purpose for our lives so as we're here I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes thank you Lord thank you God your presence here God wants to get to know you you haven't, I'm going to ask a question in a few moments. One question is going to be for those, if you haven't ever made a decision to get to know God, He wants you to make that decision this morning. It's an opportunity to step into a relationship with God. I'm going to ask a second question after that, which is for people, if you felt like you've drifted away, you had made that connection to God, but you feel like you've come apart, and what I'm going to do when I ask those questions is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And you might go, why do I have to raise my hand? It's because sometimes the body is the last thing to give way. Sometimes we've made a, made a commitment in our heart and in our head, but our body needs to commit as well. God wants your full self, fully convicted, fully convinced, fully sacrificed to Him, fully given over because of what He's done to us, done for us. So this morning, right now, if you're here this morning and you haven't made a decision to get to know God, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right now in this place. Thank you, Lord. I don't know where each of us are at this morning. I don't know the, um, the, sh- the shifts and changes of life that you've gone through. But I know that God says that it's not too late for us to come back to us, come back to Him. It's never too late. So this morning, if you feel like you want to restore that relationship with Him, This morning is your opportunity. If you're here this morning and you want to come back to Him, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, right now, Lord, we just thank you for every person here, God. Holy Spirit. Lord, I just pray that as they go away from this message that it's not going to be something that goes in one ear and out the other ear, but rather it's something that is heard and applied to their lives. Lord, I pray that each person this morning is going to be convicted of God's purpose in their life. Lord, as they uh, seek you, as they pray to you, Lord, Lord, I pray that you reveal to each one of us your purpose clearer than ever before. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Who feels like we've done some good business this morning? Awesome. Well, we're back here for the 11 o'clock. It's going to be great. Uh, But between now and then, why don't you grab a coffee, go catch up with somebody that you haven't spoken with before. Be good. Awesome. We'll see you soon.